Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, welcome to another edition of American Potential. You know, even if you don't know his name, you probably know his voice. And especially when listening to this podcast, he has announced major sporting events, including six Olympics, 15 Super Bowls. He's the PA announcer for the Minnesota Vikings, the Colorado Avalanche, and dozens of major sporting events around the world. Now, you've heard his voice on television, radio, movies, and even gamers might recognize his voice. Just take a listen to some of his work. Alan Roach. Something special is coming. Broadcast radio up 3%. Music festivals up 145%. And the number one selling personal electronic device? Headphones. You want to grow your business? Partner with iHeart. iHeart. Whether it's Vikings action or your favorite shows and movies, CenturyLink Prism TV lets you watch how and when you want. CenturyLink. Home team, home connection. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Precision. This is GMC. Celebrate Labor Day and get cash back for 20% of the MSRP on select Sierra models. That's over $10,000 on this GMC Sierra. GMC, official truck of the Denver Broncos. All right, it's an iconic voice that grabs your attention. And his voice is the intro and the out for this American Potential podcast. His road to becoming a sports announcer started out while working at a radio station where he got the opportunity to go to a minor league baseball game with one of the salespeople. And at that game, he ended up meeting the assistant general manager. And while talking, he asked if ah, they ever needed a fill-in for the public address announcer. The GM said, yes, we need someone to fill in for, for the weekend while our, nat- our normal announcer goes out on vacation. Well, after filling in for the weekend, the GM came in and he said, if you want to do the rest of the season, it's yours. He said, yes. So the rest is history, as they say. At one point, he was doing a morning radio show and announcing three major sports teams at the same time. I want to welcome our guest and the voice that you hear first for every podcast of American Potential, the great Alan Roach. Alan, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And it's great that you told that story because most interviews that I do, I have to tell that story and you've already done that. <laughs> well, I want so, you to fill, you. I, Alan, I want you to fill in a little detail because here's the part I sure. didn't talk about. It's in my hometown. I'm broadcasting this. I live in Colorado Springs. You were working for a radio station, as I understand it, in Colorado Springs, went to the Colorado Springs Sky Sox baseball game. Is that, is that right? Is that where that happened? That's it. It was uh, about June, probably, of 1990. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, I just asked uh, on a whim, hey, if you ever need anybody to fill in, well, we actually do in three weeks. Do you want to do a weekend series? And and that's how it started. And then I finished out the Sky Sox season that year. I did all of the Sky Sox season the following year. And uh, then uh, by that time, I had moved to Denver. Uh, to work in radio, left the Colorado Springs radio station, came up to Denver, uh, really with the thought that I could be closer to the 
Colorado Rockies situation. They weren't even a baseball team yet. Right. Uh, and I applied over and over and over and over again. And finally, uh, just two days before the Rockies' first regular season game at Mile High Stadium, <laughs> two days, I got the call that said, you'll be the PA announcer on Friday. Get ready. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Did you, uh, so actually I used to tell people, I'm going to just brag on you a little bit. I would tell people, you know, I, I use the same, I sat in the same chair when I was at the, at the cluster that you were at. I sat in the same chair that Alan Roach sat in. And you know what? I know those people over there, they probably haven't gotten new chairs. So I'm just saying yeah. is, anyway. is that that's the, on top of the hotel <laughs> with a triangle glass thing. Well, yep. it's not anymore, but it was at that time. Yep. They they yep. did move finally, but uh, anyway, that's that's just a great a, a great story. And I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to tell this story is because I think people, you know, this story is about breaking barriers, and that's really amazing. I mean, that's just uh, there's got to be kids out there who hear that story, want to be announcers, and I want to ask you a little bit about that too. But you know. People say I'm insane to use your voice for the intro. We've got your booming voice, then comes my puny voice. But I love great voices, and yours is the best. And I, I, I'm not crazy for putting you ahead of me, am I, in that? <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Noah. And, and my voices sometimes tend to be a dime a dozen. I get calls and texts uh, quite frequently of people saying, Hey, are you in Berlin announcing the Special Olympics today? Hey, are you back at the Rockies today? Hey, are you in Pittsburgh <laughs> announcing the flower show? No, I'm not. Just uh, a dime a dozen voices, all of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, so it's a, it's an amazing story, as I, I mentioned. Do you ever have kids? Um, I'm a big Colorado Avalanche fan. I know they have like a kids' night where they have a kid come in and be the announcer. Yeah. In fact, the one I heard this last year was uh, was incredible. You did a great job. Do you have kids that hear your story? And, and kind of want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I do. I I, uh, I get a good number of emails from, uh, you know, college-age kids or out-of-high-school kids or even high-school kids that say, you know, I would really like to do this. Um, and, and I try and reach out and answer all of those emails. I think I, you know, maybe have a 95% success rate in doing that. Sometimes it takes me uh, weeks or even a month to get back to somebody, but I always like to uh, to write back. And it, it, it's a very niche, difficult uh, profession. Um, there are very few people who announce sporting events the way I do as a public address announcer. No TV, mm-hmm. no radio, just inside the stadium. In fact, I don't know another person that does that, that it's their living. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very lucky, very blessed, and it all comes from contacts, uh, and contacts lead to more contacts and doing a good job that I've been able to gather all of these great jobs. Uh, but most PA announcers have to have a real job. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're uh, lawyers or work in Home Depot or work in a restaurant, and on the weekends they have to take days off from their regular job in order to go make $200 to announce a baseball game or a football game. Right. And right. that $200, you know, even if you're announcing baseball and you make $200 a game, well, that only comes to $16,000 a season. 
That's right. uh, that's not enough money to live on in the United States right now. So I'm very lucky, very blessed that I'm able to do this, and it's kind of the only thing that I do. And I explain that to people that reach out to me is, you know, you're going to start out, and there's going to be years and years and years where it's difficult to keep this job because, like I said, you have to take time off from your real job in order to go to this job, which probably pays less than your real job. <laughs> right, right. Now, I want to I want to explore this a little bit more. We'll get into it a little bit more. But you talked there's a big difference between what you do, say on 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 for a, for a radio ad or a television ad and a live sporting event. How did you learn the differences and the nuances there? Uh, it just came with years of experience in radio. I think what 1990. So I'd been in radio for seven years already by that point when I started with the Sky Sox. And back then in radio, there were many, many Saturdays and Sundays and Friday nights where your radio show was live somewhere and you're doing live radio and they come on and you, Hey, hi, my name was Kelly O'Shea back then on radio. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're at Kelly O'Shea. We're here at the Dublin House in Colorado Springs where they have beer specials today. Come on down, and if you come down in the next half hour, we've got some Sky Sox tickets to give away, and, and you do a minute-long spiel of, of right. just ad-lib. And so that got me used to the being able to think on your feet kind of thing, and, and that's basically what PA announcing is. You're, you're obviously following a script, following a format, following all the stuff that you need to do but at the same time, you, you need to have that live mentality of when the light comes on, you need to talk. Yeah. What, what was it that made you want to try and be an announcer? I mean, obviously, did somebody come to you at a young age or when you were 18 or 15 or whatever and say, you know what? You have an amazing voice. Or I, Because there's probably a lot of people who want to be an announcer, but maybe don't have the, the voice or the skills for it. Uh, you do. When, when did you decide that's kind of what you wanted to do? Well, and I heard the voice thing all the time as early as junior high school or, or you know, like sophomore year. I started right. in radio. I graduated high school in Brainerd, Minnesota in 1984. I started in radio in Brainerd, Minnesota in 1982. Wow. Uh, and that came from a, <laughs> uh, a student council class, I think it was. And the teacher's assignment one day was... All of us are going to go down to the local radio station in Brainerd, Minnesota, and we are going to each of us record 15 to 20 seconds of John F. Kennedy's speech. I think mm -hmm. it was for Memorial Day. Um, and so we all went down to the radio station. 20 of us lined up outside the door of the uh, recording studio and one by one went in and a guy helped us and we recorded our lines. Well, as I recorded mine and walked out of the studio, the station manager was there and he said, wow. Because uh, you want a job? <laughs> sure. And that's how it started. I started in my, my sophomore year of high school. That's pretty um, cool. And, and you don't still have the tape. Do you still have the tape? I don't still. Well, you know, I might, but it would be on a reel-to-reel, -reel, and I don't have anything to play it on anymore. Oh, I actually get that funny, over. About three years ago, I rented a reel-to-reel -reel tape from a, a shop here in Denver, and I recorded a whole bunch of reel-to-reel -reel stuff that I had stuffed in boxes and put it onto, you know, MP3s. I didn't run across that one, though, sadly. And, and yeah. you asked, how, how did I know that I wanted to do sports? I didn't. Right. Um, 
that that thing at the Colorado Springs Sky Sox that night was just that. It was me standing there listening to these two guys talk and watch that guy announce batters. Hey, I want to do that. <laughs> and that's how it started. That's pretty incredible. Uh, by the way, if you find some of your early, early stuff, I'd love to hear it because, you know, I did a radio show for 14 years and I listened back to like my first show and I'm like, why did they ever invite me back the second time? I couldn't figure <laughs> yeah. it out. I'm sure you weren't, it's not as pronounced with you. But no, I, yes, it is. But, yes, but I'd it love is. to hear that. I'd love to hear that. Oh, um, you're not going to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn you. Oh, well. Um, so when did you think, well, I could make a career out of this? When, when did that cross your mind? Uh, June 16th, 2015. <laughs> okay. I had been working at uh, the uh 103.5 The Fox in Denver and KOA Radio in Denver for 27 years, going all the way back to 1991 when I started there. Uh, on June 16th, 2015, I was fired. Uh, and it was simply because I had been there 27 years. I was making a lot more money than most people were making. I was just the sports guy on the morning show. Uh, and so I was on for 30 seconds every half hour for four hours a day, and they're paying me a lot of money. <laughs> and I was doing the show from right here in this studio in my house. I wasn't even at the radio station those days. Uh, so they said, you know what, uh, thank you very much, but we need to go in another direction. And, you know, they, they probably hired three other younger people uh, to take my position and, and still didn't pay them as much as they paid me. So I was in a real bind. That was 85% of my income. And so I remember thinking to myself that day, well, I I'm okay with working at Home Depot. I I'm good with that and doing whatever I can with voice work and, and doing voiceover stuff. But I put my head down and I, you know, just over the next three years, using contacts, doing a good job at the places that I went talking to people all the time. Hey, if you ever need an announcer for this, if you ever need an announcer for that. And the calls started coming. And it's to the point now where I turn down great events that I would like to announce every year because I've already got another event booked. Mm -hmm. Right. And well, it, it just fell into place. Yeah. that And that's, that's incredible. And by the way, being a good person, and I can tell you know, when you talked about when you get these uh, emails from kids and you try and answer all of those, it might take you a few days or whatever to do that. I mean, that that is a life changing thing for a kid to, you know, to hear that they hear you at a at a Colorado Avalanche game or a Minnesota Vikings game. And man, to get a just to get an email from someone like that to a to a kid has great impact. So I'm, uh, that's awesome that you told us that story and that you do that. That that makes a big difference. And a story that goes along with that is I got that myself. It was when I started the Colorado Rockies job in 1993. Their first game was in April of, of 93. Um, shortly after I was hired, I reached out to Bob Casey. Bob mm -hmm. Casey was the longtime public address announcer for the Minnesota Twins at the old Met Stadium, which was outside, and then also at the Metrodome. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in Minnesota, uh, once a summer, our church group or something would load up 60 kids in a bus and we'd drive to Minneapolis and we'd go to the Twins game and then we'd get back in the bus and, and drive back home after the game. And at the game, everybody there is talking about all the baseball players and the hot dogs and the popcorn and running around and doing stuff. 
And I remember at those games, I was always mesmerized by the voice that was in the stadium. And Bob Casey didn't have a voice anything like mine. <laughs> he sounded a little bit like this when he did his announcing. And, but it was still, he captivated everyone there. It was his audience. Right. And I would sit with my binoculars and try and find him. I never, ever did. It wasn't until they moved into the Metrodome that Bob Casey sat in a little glass window just behind home plate. So you could see him on TV every now and then. Well, uh, I didn't know Bob Casey at all. And I just wrote a very much too long letter to Bob Casey in 1993, telling him what I thought of him and, and how he inspired me to do what I'm doing now, which is a dream I didn't even know I had. He wrote back to me in less than a week. Uh, wow. We ended up meeting each other several times uh, and, and starting a great relationship before he passed away. Uh, love Bob Casey. And, and I would say if there was a reason I wanted to do the batters that night, Bob Casey is that reason. Yeah, what a great story and really, you know, makes the point that you can have a, such an impact on, you know, even on a kid who, who maybe they don't pursue it, but but they're always going to remember that moment that they that they got to interact with you or whatever. So so that what a great story. And I'm glad that you're passing it on uh, to future generations as well. So, you know, you you have a real signature in the way that you announce certain players uh, and you put emphasis on certain parts of their names. I'm going to, I'm going to name three that I remember really well. Dante Bichette from the Colorado Rockies, Andres Galarraga of the Colorado Rockies and Miko Rantanen of the Colorado Avalanche. Now I have to ask you, so do you decide that inflection or I mean, have you, do you just kind of play with that? How do you, how do you come up with the inflection, first of all? Yeah, and in 1993, when I started in baseball, that was not common. Mm -hmm. um, I think I scared a lot of people in the Rockies organization <laughs> on the first day and on the second day. But keep in mind, that first series for the Colorado Rockies in Mile High Stadium, there were 88,000 people there on day one. There were 81,000 people there on day two. So it wasn't your typical baseball atmosphere. Right. And and you only, it looks me, like you only, you only scared 7,000 people away, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me to come out with the intensity that I did of the Dante Bichette, yeah. I think it, it probably took them all by surprise. But then when they started realizing how it fit with what was happening with the environment in the stadium, right. and then Coors Field... 50,000 people sold out every game for the first, what, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. It just fit. And then you saw that becoming more and more prevalent. And I'm not taking credit for starting that because I probably stole the idea from the Chicago Bulls. Mm -hmm. It was at that time that it was the big Michael Jordan uh, intro for the Chicago Bulls and and all that went on with the right. the fanfare of the starting lineups of the Bulls and I think that's probably what gave me the idea to try that with with baseball um, and, and now uh, there's many 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 more baseball teams that announce players that way when they come to bat than say the old uh, you know um, New York Yankees. Uh, and, and the, the classic way of shortstop number five, <laughs> shortstop. 
and that's right. the way baseball kind of was still in right. 1993. Right. It was it was much more classic delivery, and uh, I just got in at the wave of when that started to change. Yeah. So so did you do you decide what the inflection sounds? I mean, are you the one that comes up with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. No one. No one's ever. I think one time at the Rockies, and it wasn't even the player, it was the other people that I work with on the crew, and I think yeah. it was Todd Helton. It was uh-huh. Todd Helton. Yeah. The first couple of days that I announced Todd Helton, I announced him as Todd Helton. <laughs> yeah. And everyone said, no, that doesn't sound good. Don't do that. I said, I, Todd Helton. It's like, ah. No, don't do that. So I changed Todd Helton into whatever it became. But that's about the, the only... The only time that I got negative feedback and, yeah. and changed the name because of it. Uh, Andres Galarraga? Give me an Andres Galarraga. Andres Galarraga! <laughs> and here's, here's a crazy story. In 1991, a year and a half before the Rockies ever played a baseball game, and in fact, before the uh, expansion draft, before yeah. the Rockies had a manager, before they had anybody, I put together a mock lineup to send to the Rockies organization to tell them I wanted to be the PA announcer. And I just picked at random nine names and a manager. <laughs> Included in that list of names was Dante Bichette and Andres Galarraga. Wow. Only because they were cool names to say. <laughs> and it was fun to say them. And I yeah. said them that way basically on the tape. Uh, and, and for Andres Galarraga and Dante Bichette to then be on the Rockies was that well, I mean it was it was meant to be. I, sounds, I had Pete Rose, by the way, as the manager. That part didn't happen. Oh, that and didn't thank happen. Goodness, Don Baylor, <laughs> Don Baylor was the guy. Well, yeah, but it sounds like the Monfort family must have looked, taken your advice and said, "Hey, we better get Dante Bichette and Andres Galarraga." That's what it sounds like <laughs> <Yeah>. to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that played into it, but it all worked out in the end. <laughs> Good. Okay, and the Colorado Avalanche. I know you you uh, you are the PA announcer there. Love going to games, and I get sad when you're not the the PA announcer at them. Occasionally, you're not there one or two games, but I've I've been to a few of those and are not quite as fun. I'm just going to say. Right at the outset, uh, who's your favorite Avalanche player to announce? Oh, uh, it, it's it, and I get asked that all the time, and it, it's just so hard to pick yeah. a favorite. And, and you know what? The favorite may change from year to year, yeah. or maybe even game to game. Um, you know, it, it, my favorite player ever to announce could be Miko Rantanen in Finland. In his home country, right. where Miko Rantanen had a hat trick last year, yes, yeah. that was just an amazing feeling in front of twenty thousand Finns announcing their hometown hero sure. scoring a hat trick. Yeah, um, announcing Patrick Waugh and all of the amazing accomplishments that he did, and being able to announce Patrick Waugh and Joe Sakic and Peter Forsberg in the uh, NHL All-Star game back in 2001 was amazing. Uh, obviously, Dante Bichette was probably one of the biggest conversation pieces that I would hear all through his years at the Rockies. Yeah. And to be able to say those names and then hear some people in the crowd repeat it after I say it or to say it along with me as I say it, uh, just makes me feel like what i'm doing is is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing i'm not getting in the way of the game i'm not the show 
but I'm just adding a little something for the people there. And yeah. that's, that's my, my message to PA announcers all the time is you are not the show. This is not about you. You don't get in the way, but whatever little piece you can add, it's great. Yeah. Now you don't just say Miko Rantanen though. How do you say it? Miko Rantanen. <laughs> so great. I love it. And it truly is. I mean, I, when we go to the games, my, my son will be like, is Alan Roach going to be here at this doing it? I mean, it really does add a lot. So I know that you're not the, the main event, but you definitely add, add a lot to it. Have players, uh, no players have come up to you and liked or disliked the inflection or the way you say their name. Have you ever gotten feedback from them? I, I'm, they may have liked it or disliked it, but but I, I don't hear it. And, and there's another lesson for young PA announcers. Uh, <laughs> I'll guarantee you there are PA announcers in every sport that have been fired because they try to get too close to the players or try and get close to the players in any way. Mm-hmm. And that's not your, not your spot. Right, um, right. The entire time that I've worked with the Avalanche, the Rockies, the Broncos, anybody, I have never gone down to the field to talk to the players. I've never gone into the locker room to talk to the players. Hmm. I've never stayed around after a game to talk to the players. It's not my place. So I never really gave any of them the opportunity to give me that feedback. If they wanted right. to give that feedback to someone and then give it to me, that's the, that's the way I could get yeah. something. But it's been after players have retired that I see them at events and that's when they go, Oh, you are that. I love when you did this. And I, I really <laughs> like when you did that, or it's great. And, yeah. and those names are, are Broncos and Rockies and Avalanche alike. Um, many former players who now I see at, you know, events for the team. Uh, well, I, now is when I get to hang out with them and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you used to be down I know for the Avalanche, you told me that you were used to be down right next to the ice. You had like the best seat in the entire yeah. arena, and then they moved you up to the worst seat. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, I, I sat right on the red line, uh, right in uh-huh. between the penalty boxes uh, for the first wow. tra- 18, 20 years that I did the wow. Avalanche. Uh, and it was COVID that changed that. Uh, when COVID happened, the NHL said, everybody's got to go. And all PA announcers... 25 years ago, all sat in that same spot. But starting 25 years ago to 10 years ago, most all of the other announcers got moved up into the rafters. And the avalanche should always ask me, would you rather stay down here or would you like to go? No, I want to stay down here. So they were very gracious in allowing me to do that. Uh, But then when COVID came, the NHL made the rules. No, the only people in the penalty box are you know, the penalty box operators and the clock operators, everybody else has to go. And I don't think that rule has been repealed since COVID. Uh, so now, yeah, I said, I sit probably higher than any fan in ball <laughs> arena, uh, okay. way up in the rafters. And it's a completely different game. You see the entire ice. It was kind of sure. hard to see the corners and all that when I sat on the ice. Right. Uh, so it's, it's different. It's okay. Uh, I, I make it work, but, if I'm ever offered the chance to go back to the penalty box, I'll be there the next day. Excellent. Okay. Now I just have to ask this. Have you ever just like announced a family member at home just to annoy him? I mean, come on. Have you ever done that? <laughs> uh, I used to play with my kids on the train at PIA every now okay. and then. Uh, the, 
hold on, please. This train <laughs> is approaching Concourse A. So we'd get on the train, and when my kids were, you know, age three and seven or something, we'd yeah. be standing there, and and I would kind of know the timing of it. So just before the announcement would come on, I'd grab my kids, and I'd say, hold on, please. And then, <laughs> boom, hold on. And you'd get people turning around and looking, Dad! <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. That is great. And for those who don't know, you're the voice of on the train at Denver International Airport. My favorite on that, by the way, is, and if you can say it with the inflection, is you are holding up this train. That The way that inflection is, it really keeps condemnation on whoever is holding that door open, right? Please stand clear of the doors. You are delaying the departure of this train. <laughs> and that has been retired. They took that out because it was too mean. Oh, come on. You're yeah, kidding that me. went away in twenty eight in twenty eighteen. <sighs> DIA tried to replace me on the trains. They did. Why? <laughs> because they thought I moved. It all goes back to when I was uh, fired from radio in Denver. I then took the Minnesota Vikings public address announcing job. Someone at the airport read that I was now the announcer for the Vikings. So they said, oh, Alan Roach doesn't live in Colorado anymore, so we're going to have a contest to see who's going to be on the trains to replace his voice. Oh, I, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I still want to do this. So there was a, a contest. It was only open to radio and television personalities. So there was maybe a half a dozen other men from TV and radio here in Denver that had made the finalist list. and was going to be voted on by social media. And I said, well, I want to be in the contest too. I would like to be in the contest. And they allowed me to be in the contest. And uh, thank you, Denver and social media. I won that contest and was able to keep my job on the train. But Excellent. it was at that time, then we re-recorded several announcements and the uh, you are delaying the departure of this train got tossed in the trash. Man, I love that. It wasn't mean at all. It just, but it did get people to be like, oh, I guess I better get on or off this thing. It was awesome. So I, I did one time <laughs> say to a guy who was getting on and, and, you know, his backpack was gotten away and so the doors couldn't open, you are delaying. And I said, I'm talking to you. <laughs> eyes got real big i don't know if he even spoke english he didn't say a word but yeah that's great that's great are you ever in grocery stores people recognize your voice in grocery stores does that ever happen to you yeah and that that started happening a, a long time ago and i was always surprised and and it's flattering i mean it's uh, it means that that you know what i do makes an impression on people when they go to a sporting event and, and that's meaningful uh but it's not necessarily wanted. It's like you sometimes just kind of want to go to the grocery store and not be noticed. Yeah. And then right. usually you get brought into a conversation. Hey, are you this guy? But it can be just the simple thing, you know, uh, sir would uh, back when they used to have bags in grocery stores, would you like paper or plastic? Oh, plastic is fine. Are you the Rockies guy? <laughs> and it was always amazing to me that out of three or four words, uh, people could come up with that. And they still do today. You need to say, you are delaying the, my departure from this store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, final question for you. What's, what's the most memorable event you've ever gotten to do? Yeah, and that's, that's a question I can't answer either. I'll, I'll give you several answers. Um, I've been so blessed to be a part of so many incredible events, events that 
people would one time in their lifetime dream of going to, and I get to go to them over and over and over again. Uh, the one that always pops to mind right at the top is Joe Sackick taking the Stanley Cup, turning around and handing it to Ray Bork. It's one right. of the most iconic moments ever in hockey. Yeah. Um, also, another local one is uh, Dante Bichette's 14th inning home run on the first game, first major league game ever played in Coors Field. Yeah. Uh, it was pr probably 12.45 a.m., 14th inning, and Dante Bichette hits a home run. Right. Truly amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah in, Russia, in Russia, uh, in the Olympics, USA played Russia. And this was in Russia, in front of 17,000 Russians. And it went into uh, a shootout. And TJ Och Oshi mm -hmm. took seven mm -hmm. penalty shots and finally ended up winning the game. And that was an amazing thing to be a part of because if you've ever been in a building with 17,000 angry Russians, you'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and the list goes on. The greatest Super Bowl comeback ever. Tom Brady down 28 to 3 and coming back to win. I mean, yeah. so many, so many great moments. Yeah, and you've done 15 Super Bowls, right? Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible. Um, and honestly, it's the inflection that you put on it. We were talking the other day, the way you read, uh, this is American potential. And just, it's, the, uh, it's the, 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 the way that the inflection you put on, on the words, it just makes all the difference in the world. It's been a great honor having, having you on, and thanks for all the great work you do. It's awesome to do an interview with someone like you on a, on, on a podcast like this so that people can understand you're a good person. You know, I, I go back to that story of kids and your interaction with them and, and returning emails and things like that. Uh, it's great to know that and see that and to be able to know a little bit more about the person behind the voice. So thanks for joining us, Alan. Well, I really appreciate all of your kind words. I thank all of uh, the fans who reach out with kind words in the grocery store or, or at the game. Uh, what I do is a dream that I had no idea that I would ever have this dream. Uh, I have one of the greatest jobs on earth. I don't make a million dollars, but you can't make up for the thrill and the fun and the pride that I have in what I do with any amount of money. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You got a million dollar voice and uh, we appreciate everything that you do. And thanks for doing the intro and the out for this podcast. We love having you be be a part of that and and um, means it means the world to us. So thank you for that and thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. All right, great. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.